Amen. Praise God. I want you to open your Bibles this morning to Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. What do you do when you find Jesus asleep? A few months ago, I was preaching another message, and this text was um, an additional text in that message. And while I was looking at it at that particular message, the Lord really began to give me some thoughts on it. And so when that happens, I usually take a little few side notes, and, and I know that he's wanting to use that and speak that to me and for us to bring a message along that line at some other time. So I mentioned that, uh, I think, a few months ago when we passed by this scripture, talked a little bit about it. And so this is the message that uh, the Lord has given concerning that. This is a familiar passage of scripture, I think, and it's used a lot, but I want us to look at it in a maybe a little different perspective today. I want us to get personally involved with this and put ourselves right there in the middle in verse 35 of Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, Mark writes, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drowned? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the winds died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I think it's a pretty amazing story here, and I really feel like that some of the, um, the discussion or the, the dialogue between Jesus and the disciples was a little more pungent, pungent in, in its uh, way it was emphasized. And uh, so maybe we can kind of think about that as we go through here. Uh, we're all faced by crisis. And, you know, we've all been frightened, I think, when a certain situation comes up and and we're confronted by uh, various things, and, and we don't know what to do, and we're looking for an answer, we're looking for something to take place, we're looking for the hero to show up, we're looking for a Superman to come in, we're looking for one of the, char- the, the hero characters that we've seen, the, the Calvary to come, or whatever it is, and you know how it is in the movies, everything gets real intense, and it's just about ready to break open, and then all of a sudden, somebody shows up. You know, Jesus didn't actually do that. We would think he's the Savior, and we would think just at that moment when it was just about, you know, we'd gone as far as we could go, and we've, you know, we've taken all we can take, and we're down to the end of our rope, and then Jesus shows up. He didn't do that. You know, when Lazarus died, Jesus waited four days before he came, and Martha and Mary were like, where were you? If you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. And he says, hey, I am the resurrection and the life. Though he's dead, yet shall he live. Do you believe this? Well, Lord, he stinks by this time. You know, and here's the disciples. They're like, man, and they were experienced fishermen. They, they knew this waterway. They knew that storms could come up fast. They were out on this, the Sea of Galilee there, and they'd seen more than one storm come up. They weren't too shaken when, the, when it began to rain, but when the water began, began to get in the boat, that's when it gets... Concerning, You know, it's not so bad that the, the boat's in the water, it's the water in the boat is when you want to get nervous. 
So when the waves began to crash over into the, to the boat, they were really terrified. I think the biggest thing that concerns us is that with crisis, when crisis comes, is the unknown. See, it's not so much about what we do know, but it's what we don't know. Because we don't know what's going to happen next. And that's what's scary. That's where our fear comes. And then we have this time of where we have to give some type of a response to that. And what do we do? What do we do? Well, where's Jesus? Where's our Savior? Where's our hero? We look for somebody to come in and save the day. When I was a kid, we used to watch Mighty Mouse. I don't know if anybody... How many of you remember Mighty Mouse? Really? Wow, is it still on or something? Are they doing reruns? I haven't seen it forever. <laughs> but you know, just that song, here he comes to save the day, you know, and wow, here he comes, and Mighty Mouse would come down. Um, we get, <laughs> you know, our, we, we get that mindset that that's what's going to happen, and then when that doesn't happen, we're so what? Disappointed. And along with that disappointment comes maybe some frustration. See, the fear comes from the crisis. And with that crisis, when it's pushing in on us, we're expecting somebody to come and deliver us. And when that doesn't happen, then we're frustrated. And I'm sure that the disciples, they looked around, and here they were. They were, this, they were in this situation. The storm of their life was hitting. And Jesus was asleep in the boat. And they were like, what's he doing? You know, finally, they go to him, and they shake him, and they say, teacher, don't you care that we drowned? So he got up, and he took charge. The other thing about uh, crisis is that um, if you look at the characteristic of crisis, it's so sudden. And, you know, maybe we know that, um, just like the, the, the disciples, they knew about fishing, they knew about that waterway, they knew... Uh, they knew how to, to do things. They knew how to maneuver the boat. They knew how to take care of things on the outside. Um, and they were ready. They were as prepared as they could be prepared. But when it happens, then it's still, it's so sudden and it is a surprise. We have talked to a lot of first responders. And uh, in fact, when we did a ride for responders when Sandy and I rode to Alaska and we stopped in from every little town uh, from here to Alaska, 12,000 some mile round trip. And we saw many first responders, and we just want to tell them that we appreciated them and, and thanked them for what they were doing. You know, they prepare for that crisis situation. They're trained. They have training. They're, they're skilled in what they do. But still, when the crisis hits, all your training really doesn't help you um, cope with that situation. They don't, it doesn't help you deal with the situation. You see firemen and various ones that have to go into... Uh, burning homes where, where people have been killed and, uh, by the, the fire. And, you know, they're training. They do what, they, what they're trained to do on the outside. But how do you deal with now this body? You know, police officers have to come up on a scene. They're trained in, in all that they do. And they know how to do all that. They know how to do all this stuff out here. But how do you deal with this? Sometimes, you know, we hear various things about cancer or various things like that, and then when it comes, it's still a surprise. We might talk to the doctors. The doctor might tell us all of this, the possibilities and everything that's going to happen, so we prepare ourselves as much as possible, but then when it happens, when the diagnosis comes back, it's still a surprise. 
we might prepare ourselves. We know that the economy is difficult. We know that things, there's layoffs. And so we know that those things are happening. And, but when it happens to us, it's a surprise. How do we deal with it? We can do a lot of things on the outside. We, can, we know how to maneuver things. And, you know, a lot of times we busy ourselves with things around us. But it's really not. The greatest problem is within us, not around us. And we deal with the things around us, but we never deal with the things within us. And so that's what can bring frustration. With many first responders, they talk about, um, it's almost like post-traumatic uh, stress. They never really deal with those, um, the situation of uh, the traumas that they experience because they're skilled professionals. You know, they're supposed to do a job. That's my job. And if they start to feel... feel uh, sadness or sorrow or compassion or whatever by that loss of, of a family member or whatever, they've got to deal with their professionals. They're not supposed to let those emotions be, be seen. And so they suppress them down because that's not, you know, how do you deal with that? That's on the inside. And see, we're kind of that way when a crisis comes to us. We're supposed to, we're supposed to handle it. We're supposed to be ready for those things. We, we know that, we're, that they're coming, but when it does come, how do we deal with it? So then... We think we're ready for someone to come in and save the day. You know, we shouldn't have to say anything. You ought to just save the day because that's the way things work, right? I mean, I'm doing my job. I'm doing everything I can on here on the outside. Now, where is the one that comes to save the day? Sometimes we as believers, when, when we're going through a crisis and, and we don't see anything happening, we don't see, and when we don't know how to deal with the situation, we want somebody to come and deal with that situation for us. And when that doesn't happen, how do we respond? What do you do when Jesus is sleeping? And you have to do it. You have to handle the crisis and you feel all alone. Some people get mad at God when they go through a crisis. So that means that they get mad at the pastor. They get mad at the church. They get mad at the other, their, the, the other Christians around them. Why? Because... You should have done something. You should have prayed harder. You should have been there when I needed you or something. We don't know, but we know that something should have happened so that I didn't have to go through this crisis over here. If someone would have done something here, I wouldn't have to be over here trying to figure out what's going on because I don't know what's going to happen next. And that's the biggest problem with crisis is we just don't know what's going to happen next. That's where the fear comes. I can handle the things I know about. It's those things I don't know that bother me, right? I can train all I want. I can, get, I can Google and get all the information about certain things and everything that I know, I can handle it. It's those things that I don't know that really get me. And when the water began to come into the boat, it was the things that the, the disciples didn't know. They didn't know what was going to happen next. They did all that they knew to do. They knew how to maneuver and handle the, the boat, the craft, and, and do the things that they needed to do, prepare for storm and bring the sails down and all that. But it was that unknown that they didn't, that they were, that brought the fear. So what do you do when Jesus is asleep in the boat? Do you get mad? Do you get fearful? Do you get frustrated because he's not doing anything? Do you find fault with him? And somebody else, and if somebody would have watched the weather, we wouldn't be out on this thing. 
And surely they had smartphones back then that had the weather app on it that could have told them, don't go out on the Sea of Galilee this afternoon because there's a storm coming up this evening. Somebody should have known and told me and warned me not to get out there in the midst of this crisis. If someone would have done their job, I wouldn't have to be doing this right now. What do you do when Jesus is asleep? When your Christian friend seems to be sleeping that they don't care See, out of crisis can come fear, but also out of crisis can come despair. And despair comes when you just don't know what else to do, when you feel like that there's nothing that you can do and all hope is lost. And when you get to that point, what do you do? Where do you turn? And if you try to turn within, you always turn that around because it's somebody's fault. Somebody should have done something. Don't you care that we drowned? Jesus, I don't know if they would have done that, but Jesus, you know, I mean, you would have thought that water would have been falling in on him and everything and woke him up, but they shook him and Jesus, teacher, don't you care that we drowned? He got up. And in the text we find a solution, but we also find some problems there. Jesus got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves and the water. They also rebuked the whiners and the wieners. <laughs> he turned to them and he said, you still not have any faith? And first of all, now they're really, now they're terrified at him because he spoke to the wind and the storm and it stopped he said you know he said quiet you know peace be still boom it stopped I mean they'd never seen that before so now they were afraid because they didn't know what he was going to do next <laughs> and that's where fear comes really remember from those but not knowing what's going to happen next okay wait a minute yeah we shouldn't have shook him so hard they responded in, out of fear and with frustration, fault-finding. Is that what you do when Jesus is asleep? And he said, you of little faith. Don't you? You still don't have any faith? And I imagine they're thinking, faith in what? Faith where, for what? I mean, they had seen him perform miracles. They saw him heal the sick and, and uh, cast out demons. They saw that. But you know what? They saw other people do that. They knew he had power, but they didn't. See, the whole thing was they really didn't know who he was. He said, you don't have any faith? And they're thinking, faith? He meant faith in me? See, what do we need to have? We need to have faith in God. They didn't know who was in the boat. They just thought they knew who he was, and he was basically saying, you've been with me all this time, and you still don't have faith in me? How can you sleep in the boat? I'm, I think they're thinking, Jesus, how can you sleep in the boat? Because he wasn't worried. He knew what his destiny was. He wasn't going to die in the Sea of Galilee, drown someplace. He had to go to Calvary and get killed. <laughs> no way could he drown there. So he wasn't worried about it. Ain't my time. They should have seen him. If he wasn't worried, then they shouldn't have been worried, right? He thought, look. You don't know that my I'm here doing my Father's will, and if I'm doing my Father's will, He's going to take care of me, and whatever that needs to happen, He's going to do it. 
Don't worry about it. Or the other thing he could have, reason why he was sleeping could have been that you should have faith to take care of it yourself. I don't have to come in here like Mighty Mouse and rescue you every time something happens. We should be learning how to exercise our faith. But they hadn't learned that. They just responded out of fear and frustration and fault finding. But he says, you don't have any faith. You still don't have any faith? How do you, or what do you do when Jesus is asleep? I'll tell you what you do. First thing that you do is you ought to trust him. Trust him and his promise. Jesus went to him, this whole thing started out, he said, let's go to the other side. Now, he didn't tell them it was going to be a rough trip. He just said, let's go to the other side. He promised a destination. He just didn't promise that it would be an easy trip. I know one thing, God has promised us a destination. The Apostle Paul said, I know in whom I believe. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep me against that day. No matter what happens, hey, he's going to take care of me until I get to my destination. The Apostle Paul was shipwrecked, beaten, stoned. They tried to kill him. They couldn't. He was bitten by a viper, <laughs> you know, a deadly viper, and God healed him. Why? Because he hadn't got to Rome yet. He still had to go to Rome and get his head cut off. You can't die in a shipwreck. can't die by a viper bite or by a snake bite. You can't buy, die by being stoned or, or scourged and beaten. He was scourged more than Jesus was. But he couldn't die there because he had to go to Rome. He had a destination. It wasn't an easy trip, but he had a destination. Had a promise. What are God's promises? In our crisis situation, he promises that by his stripes we're healed. So in that crisis situation, we can rest in a sense of trusting in him and trusting in his promise. We can also act in that as well. If, you know, here you are in a job situation and you know what the economy is doing, but when it happens, when your boss comes to you and says, we lost that contract on such and such and such and such, we're going to have to lay off a lot of people. And when it happens, it's a surprise. And so then, well, what's the deal, Jesus? What's the deal, Jesus? Or somebody else or whatever? But he said, or Paul mentioned it, and we should have the same trust. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Do we trust him and we trust his promise? Or do we get fearful and then get frustrated because we think he's asleep in our boat in our crisis time when our whole world is sinking? The parent that comes is having difficulties with, with their child, with their uh, teenage child and, and just doing everything that they can do and, and they get fearful and frustrated and, and all that and they're wondering, Lord, where are you? You said bring up your child on the way you should go and when he's old and not depart from it. What's going on here? I'm doing everything that your word tells me to do with raising this child. Let's blame Jesus instead of trusting him in this situation and trusting his promise. He didn't say how old. <laughs> I mean, even God's first two children, Adam and Eve, they rebelled the first chance they got. They didn't wait for anything. The first chance they got, they rebelled. And he had to kick them out of the garden. He had to kick them out of the house. Hmm. If he had trouble raising kids, who are we? <laughs> so parents, gain some hope if you're having some challenges there. Maybe that marriage that was made in heaven is starting to seem like 
Maybe it was someplace else. And it begins to fall apart. What do you do? You know? And you think, well, Lord, if you would just work harder in his life, then he'd be different and he'd treat me different. Or he says, if you just change her and she'd be more sensitive to me and my needs, then I would be so frustrated all the time. Yeah, Jesus, you do it. Well, let's trust him. Trust his promises. The other thing that you ought to do when Jesus is asleep in the boat is rejoice. See, the whole key there, sometimes we don't pick up on this. It gives us a big insight. Where was Jesus? In the boat. He was asleep, but he was in the boat. I mean, you ought to rejoice that he's in your boat. Do you see in the story that there were other boats? And so when he went, when he got ready to go, he said, and there were other boats with him. Didn't say how they came out. He wasn't in their boat. But he was in the boat, and you ought to rejoice. Hey, man, it's bad, and the water's coming in and everything else. It's bad. These reports that come in, they really look bad. But, hey, Jesus is in my boat. He's in my boat. If he's in my boat, like the old song said, what have I to dread? What have I to fear? I'm leaning on the everlasting arms of Jesus. Rejoice that he's in your boat. And the third thing that you ought to do when you find Jesus asleep is exercise some faith yourself. He said, have you not got any faith? You still don't have any faith? Are you, you know, <laughs> where's your faith? Instead of wanting to see him do something, they should have exercised the faith. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. That same power and authority that has been given to him, now he's given to us. Greater things than these shall ye do is what he said about us. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Where is your faith? That's what he was asking them. Where's your faith? Where is your faith? They should have exercised their faith. Faith works. When you work your faith, <laughs> they weren't working their faith. So what do you do when you find Jesus sleeping? You ought to trust him, trust his promises. You ought to rejoice that he's in your boat. You ought to exercise your faith that he's given to you and see things change. The problem was that there was a greater problem within them than there was around them. Jesus took care of the wind and the waves and the water. But what he saw was within them was where the problem was. Because they weren't looking to him. They weren't trusting him. They weren't recognizing who he really is. Where are you today? In your boat. Do you recognize who he is? Who he really is? what he can do, what he's done for us, what he's given to us, what he's uh, imparted to us. Do you know him? Do you really know him? Do you know who's in your boat if you're a child of God? In your crisis situation, why don't you look at it right now? It could be a, an illness. It could be a marriage situation. It could be a family member. It could be a job situation, financial and you feel like that it's you're the storm of your life and you don't know what you're going to do next. You don't know what's going to happen next. And you're right at that point of fear and frustration. And you're looking for somebody to blame. Is that the road you're going to go down? You're going to take that road? 
Or will you take the higher road that recognizes that Jesus is in your boat and say, I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust his promises. I'm going to rejoice in him because he is the greater one and he's in my boat. The creator of all things is in my boat. And then begin to exercise your faith in the midst of that storm. Speak to that storm and command it to, to cease. And you continue to work your faith and see your faith work. Which one will you choose to do? Let's pray together today. Heavenly Father, I ask that you help us today to look at the storms of our lives.